Okay, this here would be the Doing Better Podcast, episode 26. Here's the tease. This is one of my tests for Bible translators because they really, that, that, that verse, they did not, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped is a, a toughie. It's, a, it's, it's tough in the Greek to figure out what's going on there. For years, a lot of us grew up with the King James of did not consider his equality with God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, which is odd, you know, because you, you read that and you go, well, of course not. Of course he didn't consider it robbery. Why would he? Congratulations. Through the powerful providence of a benevolent benefactor, you've stumbled onto this delicious digital bouillabaisse. Hosted by yours truly, hipster grandfather, David A. Holland. Here, we explore the too good to be true, poorly understood, badly neglected realities of what Jesus actually launched 2,000 years ago. A new covenant, a better covenant based on better promises. So, check your religion at the door, grab a beverage, grab a Bible, strap in, gird your loins. This is the new and better podcast. That's Paul the Unveiler is basically uh, what, we, what we've seen. He's unveiling mysteries. And so what we're going to do over the next over the next couple of weeks, several weeks, is look at seven or eight, maybe 10 of the key mysteries that Paul unveiled about Jesus and what he did and, and, and who he is. But tonight, we're just going to look at the first one really, really quickly. I'll call this mystery, mystery 1A. But before we do, let me make one more point. I want you to do a thought experiment for a moment. And the thought experiment is, what if, for whatever reason, Paul had never written a word? He'd never written a letter. And so we do his thought experiment. We live in a parallel universe where Paul didn't get knocked off his horse. Paul didn't exist. Paul uh, didn't get the download and didn't write any of his letters. And let's lump the book of the book of Hebrews in with that because it may or may not have been written by Paul, but if it wasn't written by Paul, it was written by somebody profoundly influenced by his thinking, his language, his vocabulary, and his revelation. So you've got a New Testament, but you don't have <coughs> Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Colossians, First um, uh, and Second Corinthians. You don't have Timothy, Titus, uh, or Hebrews. Um, how different is our view of the Christian faith if we don't have, what, what do we know about Jesus uh, or what would we not know about Jesus today if those books didn't exist? Our, our revelation of who Jesus is, what he accomplished on the cross, what he's doing in us and through us would go from here to here overnight because we would have uh, the book of Acts and the sermons from the book of Acts and we would have uh, a few letters from John and a few letters from Peter. Uh, we'd have James, uh, and you know James is sort of the sort of the counterweight to everything Paul said about grace uh, and, li- and living by you know, you know by grace through faith. You know people who hate the grace message they whip out James and start beating everybody on the head of you know with the book of with the book of James. Uh, so we'd have James and we'd have none of Paul's revelation about grace. What what we're going to be basically exploring over the next few weeks is are, are so many truths. But the first one I, I want us to look at 
we we would have a glimpse of it. Uh, we would get a, we would have had a glimpse of it through John, but not in the fullness that we get through Paul, and and that's the mystery of in Jesus God became a man. Jesus was a God man, holy God and holy man. He was God in human flesh. Now we would we would have we 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 would have that truth in a sense. Because in the book of John, at the opening chapter of the book of John, John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, you know, John is unequivocally saying, first of all, that the man we knew as Jesus pre was pre-existent in the heavenly realms. He, was, he pre-existed, and yet he became human flesh. But that's a pretty mystical, abstract way of, of saying it. You know, he doesn't, he, he leads into there to talking about how Jesus, his name was Jesus and he was the light of the world and the darkness couldn't overcome it. All there through the first opening lines of the book of John. But it's still a pretty philosophical, abstract way of talking about the fact that Jesus was God and man. So let's look at what Paul says about it. First of all, flip over to um, 1 Timothy 3.16. We'll just do this real quickly and wrap it up. Because uh, we need to take communion, and I'm committed to... We've been running late a couple of times lately, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to get us out of here on time. First of all, look at 1 Timothy 3.16. Paul says, by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. And then he bursts into song, essentially. He who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. What Paul has just given us is what it may be the very first psalm, song of the new covenant. He's basically quoting a song that was almost certainly being sung by the first believers in the first ecclesias, the first gatherings of the brand new new covenant. And when they sang, what they sang was about Jesus and the fact that he was revealed in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, believed on in the world and taken up in glory. Now f flip over to um, Philippians chapter two. This is my favorite Christmas verse. Actually, this is the verse I always cite around the Christmas Eve dinner table, almost every year. Uh, Philippians 2.5, Paul says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. I'll come back to that in a minute because there's a better way to translate that but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is one of my tests for Bible translators because they really, that, that, that verse, that he not, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped is a, is a toughie. It's, a, it's, it's tough in the Greek to figure out what's going on there for years, a lot of us grew up with the King James of did not consider his equality with God, did not consider it robbery to be equal, 
to be equal with God, which is odd, you know, because you, you read that and you go, well, of course not. Of course he didn't consider it robbery. Why would he? Um, but at the heart of that word there, that's the reason that the translators of the, of the King James use the word robbery is because there's a Greek word that refers to both sides of the equation of when somebody's in a crowded marketplace and you've got your purse, you've got your money bag, there's, there are purse snatchers all over out to grab your, grab your purse, grab your money bag. And so there's actually literally a, a purse snatching connotation at the root of this word. But it also means if somebody who's wary of purse snatchers, what are they gonna do? They're gonna, they're gonna grasp it. They hold it tight to the thing that they don't wanna have stolen from them. That's why I think the New Living, one, one translation says does, does not consider, did not consider his equality with God a thing to be clung to, which is exactly right. That is exactly right. Basically, the images of G, uh, that the, the, what Paul is telling us is here is that Jesus was preexistent in heaven, co-equal with God, but he did not consider his equality with God a thing to be selfishly clung to, afraid it was going to be taken away from him. What did he do instead? He emptied himself of it. His, his, his coming in human flesh, his coming in human form, Jesus emptied himself of all of those, the perks, prerogatives, pleasures, uh, honors of being co-equal with God. He did not consider any of that something that he was going to hold on to. He was perfectly willing to empty himself of it, to take on human flesh and take on the form of a servant. Hey friend, in the immortal words of Karen Carpenter, we've only just begun. The best is yet to come, but first, a brief word from our sponsor, me. It's page two. Hey friend, if you're watching this on my YouTube channel, may I ask you to exercise your God-given free will and hit the subscribe button. It's the right choice. Or if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, subscribe there. Then jump over to my YouTube and subscribe. You'll not only be able to hear the soothing tones of my voice, but also take in the soothing, perfect roundness of my Charlie Brown head. Now, back to the scathingly brilliant insights I was sharing about today's topic. So here we, we also see, basically, you tie that together with what John says in the first chapter of his gospel, you know, that Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Here's the thing, and I, I've always, as I've pondered with, pondered with and, and explored and, and meditated on this truth, I think it's interesting that John doesn't say, in the beginning was the Son, and the Son was God, and the Son was with God. He says, in the beginning was the Word. It's possible this is not something I'm willing to be persecuted about, but uh, just this food, food for thought. It's possible that Jesus in his pre-existent state wasn't, wasn't the Son, because the Son sort of has a, a, a subordinate kind of a, 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 a nature to it, that Jesus in his pre-existent state wasn't the Son, he was the Word. Uh, that there was God the Father or God the King, God the Word and God the Spirit as the three-in-one three mystery of the Trinity pre-existently. But in 
in emptying himself of his equality with God, all of the pleasures and perks of being reigning in heaven, emptying himself of it, taking on the likeness of human flesh, he at that moment became the son. And as a matter of fact, there is a, there is a, a psalmic, psalmic prophecy of the incarnation that says, you know, God says, on this day I have begotten thee. And John 3.16 says, God gave his only begotten son. So that Jesus' sonship was a state that he was willingly took on by emptying himself and becoming like us. And it's possible, here's another piece to consider in that line of thought, if that's the case, was it a one-way trip? In other words, did Jesus eternally and forever change his state by being willing to become one of us. Because when Jesus was recommended, I mean, re was resurrected, he got resurrected with a human body. We, we, he, we, his constant appearances, he didn't go back to being whatever his state was, uh, pre-existently as the word. He still had the scars. He ate food. He had, he had a resurrected body like we're going to have. So the, I think we've underestimated the enormity of Jesus' decision to come, of what he was willing to do. Because what, what Paul is telling us here, he's, he's giving us insight to, is that Jesus emptied himself of that state of, of, uh, that he would have been eternally preexistent in so that he would forever be like one of us. Oh my gosh. That is how much of a servant's heart he had. Paul says, serve one another. Don't be prideful. This, is, this entire passage is in the context of saying, you know, see, serve each other's socks off. He goes, let this mind be in you like was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider all of those privileges and all those perks something to be clung to selfishly. But he poured himself out to become one of us so that we could become like him. That's a big deal. Huge. That's a big, big deal. As Trump would say, huge. We've only known him as the son. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What what that pre-existent state was like, we have we have no idea. But we do know that forever and in eternity going forward, he looks like us. He looks like we will look. Well, it's interesting when they, in the Old Testament they refer to the angel of the Lord, right? And that one that's capital A, we yeah. think of that as Jesus, but it doesn't ever indicate it's a yeah. man's, you know what I mean? Right. It's just a, like we've seen, an he may have been. Yes. There's some, there's some suggestive, suggestive stuff there. This really impacts your previous teaching. Yeah. On um, when you talked about all these Jewish messiahs. Mm -hmm. Yep. They were out to make a name for themselves and to make themselves great in everything. But you're you're literally making that much greater everything Jesus is doing. To he's so separate from everybody who's trying to be the Messiah. Right. And he's nothing to make himself known as that. Exactly. The humility, the 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 servants the servant's heart with that is just astonishing to contemplate. Really quickly now, Colossians chapter one. I want to look at it in both the New American Standard and the uh, Passion Translation. Colossians 1, and we're going to spend a lot of time in this passage of Colossians because there's a whole lot of different facets of the revelation of Jesus that Paul got in this passage. But for right now, let's look at verse 15. He, 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and uh, in him all things hold together. Uh, let me look at the, um, the Passion Translation there. This is all about Jesus. Uh, I love the way the Passion rem renders this. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, and all that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it was all created through Him and for His purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in Him. Just the idea for the, for the human mind to get the, get to, to start, especially for Jewish minds, to start getting there. Any time Jesus even hinted at the fact that He was God, or He was the Son of God, He was the begotten of God, His listeners flew into a rage. They wanted to pick up rocks. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. They wanted to kill him and silence him. At, at, uh, of all the things that Jesus said that the old Mosaic Covenant leadership thought was infuriating, nothing infuriated them like Jesus' suggestions that he was God in human flesh. This revelation uh, and what Paul is basically describing here. Let's just really, really quickly... Uh, jump over to Hebrews. Yes, thank you. You know where I'm going. Uh, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, 3. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, His mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of His spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. One more verse and we're done. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 9. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Is that the passion? That's the passion. So, um, that's a big one. It's a big one that Paul got more insight into uh, than any other New Testament writer. He unpacks the different facets of the fact that Jesus was pre-existent. He was pre-existent with God, pre-existently equal with God, became one of us, took on one of these things, and uh, eternally, forever, I believe, as a, as a one-way trip to be like us for the rest of, of eternity so that he could redeem us to himself and, to, and restore us to the Father. It's extraordinary. Kind of like a caterpillar transformed from one to the other. Exactly. So um, that's just this. That's just the, the the tip of Paul's revelation. Yet, it, as I mentioned, it was the very thing that made 
uh, his hearers, whenever he referenced it, uh, immediately want to kill him uh, because it was unthinkable. Unthinkable. No wonder it was a mystery. No wonder it was hidden. It was absolutely unthinkable. Okay, neighbor. Before we bring this rodeo to an end today, let's do page three. How about I share a little insight about how you can take a deeper dive into all I have on offer for you. When you can, sashay on over to davidaholland.com. Now, you got to get that A in the middle there. That At davidaholland.com, you'll find a smorgasbord of stuff that will help you live the sweet life. That's a life of rest and hope and meaning. So until next time, Please remember, God is better than you think and you're more loved than you know.